thank you for coming, for being here, for joining our worship, for the core worship team as well as the guests that were joining us. We're so grateful to have you here. Thank you so much. I love that song because that's what I feel like is just so perfect for our lives, that God's goodness runs after my life, your life, our collective experience as a church. God is so good about revealing grace and goodness to us. Before I pray and dive into the word this morning, I want to share with you a quote um, and first wish you a happy new year. You were here last week maybe, but I wasn't, so happy new year. It's good to be in 2022 with you. This quote that I found uh, is one that I read this last week that I just had to share with you. Ellen White shares these words in a book called The Upward Look. She says, I wish you a happy new year. The old year with its burden of record has passed into eternity. Now let every thought, every feeling be that of remembrance of God's love. We draw from God's promises all that peace, all that comfort, that hope that will develop in us the fruits of peace, joy, and faith. And by bringing these promises into our own life, we bring them always into the lives of others. We are poured into and the, it pours out of us. Then let us appreciate these promises to appropriate these promises to ourselves. They are like the precious flowers in the garden of God. They are to awaken our hope and expectation and lead us to a firm faith and reliance upon God. They are to strengthen us in trouble and teach us precious lessons of trust in God. So as we look back, we remember the love and grace and hope. And we also look forward into what will carry us through this year. As it can start to be a little bit of PTSD for some or a little deja vu, a little bit like, what, is, what are we in for? And some have said, I just feel like I'm constantly living, like waiting for the other shoe to drop. But in this promise, what I hear is this reliance, this depth of trust that grounds us so that even as we walk through, we feel and see these flowers of God's promises and blessings. So that's my prayer for you and for us as we begin this new year. Would you pray with me? Our Jesus, our God, Holy Spirit, would you come and do what you do so well, minister to exactly where we are. In Jesus' name, amen. You can hear Philip's joy and excitement in those words that Deb read in the scriptures. We found him. Can you hear it? Can you picture him? Eyes lit up. We found the one that Moses wrote about and the other prophets spoke about. You know, the one that all of our hopes are wrapped up in. We found him. We found the Messiah. You see, just like we look forward to the second coming of Jesus, just like at memorial services, we stand here and we hug and we look in people's eyes and we say, Jesus is coming you will see him and you will see your loved one again. That's the same longing that they had for the first advent. The coming one would come and would bring a different life, would bring a different reality. And so this hope is all tied up in Philip's words and now bubbling over. You could feel it. It was so thick. Come, we have found the one. I like Pastor Gotcha's story, and I do really like Boba Taro done vegan. I love it. It's fantastic. 
But it is so true that we automatically share that which we have experienced. You see, Philip didn't mark out, okay, Nathaniel, I'm about to give you four steps to coming to Jesus. Philip, I would like to lead you to salvation. He didn't put on anything. He didn't have to become something other than what he was. He simply said, I had an experience and I want you to experience it too. I do not know what Philip and Jesus had in this encounter because it's very short in John chapter 1. You read it. Um, we, we heard it. We can read it one more time together for a moment. But it is brief. It says, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said, follow me. Then Philip goes and finds Nathanael and he tells him, we found the one. We don't know what burned in his heart, what words Jesus spoke, what Philip saw. What was going on in him that made him know this beyond a doubt? What do you know for sure? In your life and in your experience, what do you know for sure? When I go through that question, I, I write out my own answers. Like, what do I know at the core of my being? What can I testify to? What can I bear witness to? What can I share with other people that I just know? That was what Philip had experienced. We have found the one. And he wasn't thrown off by Nathaniel's reaction. Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That was Nathaniel's immediate reaction. But in the end of verse 46, what Philip says is three words, come and see. And this is why Pastor Gotra's story is right on, that we share what we've experienced. We say, come and experience this. We don't, we don't have to worry beyond just sharing exactly what we have known. My friend had a great experience with this app, and this week she texted me and shared a link and said, this has been so good for me. Well, what did I do? Bought it immediately and started using it. Really, normally I read a little bit of reviews, but this person is so close to me that I'm like, hey, if she's in, I'm in. Bought it, started using it. Yes, this is great. When we try a really good restaurant, we can't help but share it. We have oh, this new movie, you have to go see it. You really do. This book I read, oh my goodness, your life would be blessed by it. It comes out of our experience. I want you to experience what I've experienced. So what does it look like for you and I to share an experience with Jesus that is a come and see experience? What I'm experiencing, I want you to experience. It's what is going on right now in my life and story. Today we celebrate 57 years as a church. Amen? 57 years of God's goodness and grace chasing after us as a church community. That God knew what was going to happen here in this place in Grand Terrace. That the love of Jesus would be lifted up in this place. And that's a beautiful gift. What happens here is just like what happens between Philip and Nathaniel. I stand at that door or I meet you in the hallway or in the pew. And this happened again today. So it's perfect. People come up and they say, so-and-so invited me to come. And that's why I'm here. Again, it's the same thing. I've experienced something. There's something going on over there. I felt connected in community. I've, I've learned about the love of Jesus. There's worship going on. 
I want you to experience what I've experienced. Or such and such family said when we moved to this area that this was the church and I haven't tried anywhere else. Actual quotes from actual people. That's how this church, the community of faith has formed here is because you sharing your experience. We share our experience with Jesus. We share our experience in community. And that experience just pours over and out into what we share with other people. What do you know for sure? What can you share? Sure, you might not know all of it, but what can you share? What do you know? What have you experienced? If you have experienced the love and the grace of Jesus, what does it look like for you? Because evangelism, sharing the good news, could be summed up with those three words, come and see. I want to show you what I've experienced, come and see. Could also be another three words, tell your story. Your story is not my story, and we need your story. We need your story to be told because the love of God, the witness of God in your life is unique to your life. So tell your story because your story, my story, are all different angles like turning a diamond in the light where we see God's love refracted and bouncing off the walls and sharing the beautiful gift of what it looks like for God's love to show up in us. Come and see. We're kicking off something new next week. Maybe you saw the trailer on Wednesday. We're super excited about it, aren't we, Pastor Jesse? The living room. The living room is all about sharing our story. So each Wednesday, we've got all of next quarter filmed already. We're working on second quarter. Each Wednesday, we'll be releasing a story of how people in this community have experienced God. I just want to show you the trailer here for 49 seconds, just for a moment, for you to be able to see what this is like. I didn't know what I was going to do for the future. I was looking back to my past, and I just spilled it out to God. I was giving from an empty cup, but I realized how important it is to fill my cup, taking time to connect with God. That was the very first time that my brother asked me to pray for him. I'm Gregory Janapin. Kay's family. Billy Korea. Pastor John Model. Ian Oyama. Fatima Baharin. Jean Patterson. And this. 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 I am Sally Gonzaga, and this is my story. I can't wait for you to hear each story as it's released on Wednesday because it's powerful to hear how God is showing up in each one of our stories. So I want to tell you a little bit of my story. It's just a snapshot of my story for a moment. And if you've been around this community uh, since this was our sixth Christmas together, you might recognize some pieces that you have heard before, but some in our community are new. And each time we recount the story of what God has done in our lives, it is powerful to remember. Because actually that song that they sang, The Goodness of God, that's one that I have owned as a theme song in my life. There are other ones, other hymns and songs that have become a soundtrack to my life. But that one has been one for me because I believe God's goodness and love has chased after me. We moved a lot 
as a kid. I grew up in Seattle, Washington area, all over Seattle, so I got a chance to get to know. I love that part of the world, and I also really love sun now. So people have said, do you want to go back? Ah, no, that might be hard for me to go back <laughs> because I grew up counting straight days of rain in elementary school, and we'd have a party when we reached over 100. So it's a little different than here, straight days of sun. But I grew up moving around quite a bit. And after my parents divorced and we started moving and getting to experience different schools and different apartment complexes, I got to experience homeschool and private school and public school, Montessori school, homeschool with another family, a wide range of experience with education and with religious experience with different people that I was exposed to. And as I went through this experience, I really identify with Paul in on Mars Hill when he says, you've raised up an altar to an unknown God. Let me tell you about what, I wor what you worship. I knew God was real. I could tell you God was present because I sensed God's presence. I didn't know perhaps all that you knew at the age that I experienced God's presence, but I knew God was real and God was present. So when my friend invited me to her church and there was an altar call, I remember going up front as an early teen, I went up front at this church and accepted Jesus into my life. And I knew that this which was being talked about was that which I was experiencing. So then later on, when I got connected with an Adventist academy and started there my freshman year, got the chance to be involved in that school community and be involved in summer ministry, I had the chance to then grow deeper in my faith and my understanding of who God was and joining this Seventh-day Adventist church, joining this movement that has been so much a part of my life. This May will be 20 years of full-time pastoral ministry. My hire date was in 2002, so coincidentally, this is 20 years this year. But as I look back at the goodness and the grace of God through each step, I know that the reality, the, the gift, is not just that God exists, but that God is present. That God shows up real and active and attentive in our lives. And that's what I've experienced through all the beautiful parts of my life and story and all of the brokenness in my life and story. Um, as Caleb has, had, and I have been by the bedside of our parents, as we've each lost a parent, as we've gone through each of these different places and parts of our journey, God has shown up and been present and been real. What I've learned is that I don't control it, but I make space. So in my life, when I set aside time for prayer and time in the word, I don't control what God does or what happens in that space, but I surrender myself to trust the one who sees the picture. This story really moves me. This one of a sculptor and his neighborhood little boy and he was there with a big chunk of marble that he was working on. And the little boy came by and said, what are you doing? As he sees all this marble like falling off as he's working on the tool. We're working with his tools. The boy's like, and the guy's like, I'm, I'm sculpting. He's like, oh, got bored, ran away, forgot about it. Months and months go by and then he comes back. And he sees the most beautiful marble lion. So gorgeous. And the little boy said, how did you know there was a lion hidden in there? How did you know there was a lion in that marble? And he said, I saw it in my heart before I ever started or picked up a tool. 
And I think that that's what the journey of trust is about, that we trust the one who sees something in us, in you, in our community of faith, that we trust the one that sees something that is not yet reality, that we trust the picture that God is working out and what God is doing and how God is the master artist sculpting our lives. So through each step, through each part of the journey, I have seen God's hand and and even in those valley of the shadow of death, God has walked there. So if I were going to say like today, what's working? What's really working? Well, Slack prayer lists is working in my prayer life. Being able to write down when you tell me something and someone to pray for, I write that down and then I get to pray over my whole prayer list that's in one spot. Another thing that's working is every Friday getting the chance to do um, an to recap the week and to write out all my gratitude for the whole week on Friday. I write out what were the amazing things that happened this week and what are the things I'm looking forward to and praying over for the next week. To do a weekly look back and a weekly preview, I go into Sabbath with a groundedness of where God has been in my story and where God is going in my story. There are each of these things that if you were to think about what's working right now, what's your testimony? What's your witness to what God is doing right now? I can tell you things from the past. I can tell you about the times that God has shown up in power and in strength and in gentleness and in comfort and in peace. I can also tell you stories of right now. What does it look like for you to give your own come and see? What does it look like to tell your own story because just like talking about taro boba or this restaurant that you have to try, it comes out of our experience. It comes out with great ease as we practice this telling our own story. God is present. And as we tell our experience, just like Philip ran over and told Nathaniel, he is able to then experience what Philip is experiencing. Eugene Peterson says this, I have no patience with a truth that cannot be lived. So how does the truth get from here to here and to here? Head and heart and hands. How does it move through from this intellectual experience into my heart experience and into action in my life? That is the practice. That's what it means to follow Jesus. That's a lifelong practice practice for you and for me and all along the way whether you're in the valley or whether you're up on the mountaintop we get to say come and see and that's vulnerable and that's scary because sometimes you're in the valley and you're saying come and see how God is with me right as everything is falling apart and sometimes you're up on the mountaintop and you're saying come and see I prayed for this for so long and look what God did but at every point, whether the valley or the high point or somewhere lost in between in the boring middle, God is saying, I want you to say, come and see. Tell your story. What's the good news look like embodied in your life right now? To have the courage to be vulnerable with those around you. That's how Christianity came to be spread, you know? That's how it went from Philip and Nathaniel to a story that's passed down from generation to generation to generation to us right here. That's part of the Azure Hills story. If you're new around here, we want to catch you up for a moment. 
um, the whole country club to church to 57 years later here where we are. So in just a few, few moments, we're going to just pause right here for a few moments to watch a little bit of our history and watch a little bit of what God has done in our past. Ten acres of rolling green, the Azure Hills Country Club. The year is 1957, and Grand Terrace is eager for the opening of their new social hangout. But what does a country club have to do with the Azure Hills Church? Look closely. Anything look familiar? Whoa, 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 slow down. Let's go back to 1963. Six years after opening, the financial struggles of the country club led to its purchase by a group of 288 local Seventh-day Adventists. $495,000 later, and the country club had been purchased. On January 1st in 1965, Pastor Lloyd Wyman and the Azure Hills congregation worshipped for the first time in their brand new church. By the end of their first year, over 500 members called Azure Hills their home. And what a home it was. A nine-hole golf course, an Olympic-sized swimming pool, tennis, volleyball, badminton, a stained-glass window of champagne bubbles, and more. The snack bar was a very good snack bar. Oh, we had veggie burgers and we had uh, Lancaster. We were here a while. They asked me to take over a recreational program taught swimming. There was a time in my life when I just lived in the swimming pool. My favorite memory is seeing my son be baptized in the small pool. Saturday nights, sometimes the pool was so crowded we'd have to have two uh, lifeguards. Just some fun times. Eventually, the golf course was sold to the Conference Association and was used to build the Azure Hills Village condominiums. The money from that sale was used to construct the sanctuary, which was completed in 1978. You can see some of the old structure around here. We used what we call a fellowship hall. And then we as a group went all over to the new sanctuary. It was green carpet. <laughs> Fast forward to the 1980s. A children's center was added, providing Christian education for elementary students, serving more than 50 children today. A new school building was also built near the fire station in 1992. And in 1998, the children's ministry center was added to the country club building. We kept a lot of our young people in the church because of the program that went on here. Another major change happened in 2003 when the congregation moved back into the fellowship hall so that the sanctuary could be remodeled. Two years later and the multi-million dollar renovations and new buildings were completed. Not only has Azure Hills Church grown since its beginning, but two new congregations have been launched from Azure Hills. In 1989, senior pastor Dan Simpson established Celebration Center, and in 2004, young adult pastor Michael Connect established the Crosswalk Church, which still worships together in Redlands. So we are proud to have been served by 10 senior pastors since 1965. Lloyd Wyman, the first senior pastor, Curtis Bradford, who led the church during the construction of the sanctuary, Morris Venden, who led the congregation at its largest attendance ever, causing Azure Hills to add a third worship service for a time, John Brunt, who came in 2002 from Walla Walla University and led for 13 years, and Tara Vincross, our current senior pastor since 2016. These are just a few of the wonderful pastors who have led our community. Our members come from over 40 international cultures with Bible study groups that speak English, Espanol, Portuguese, and Bahasa. In 2015, the Grand Terrace Recreation Center moved its community operations to the Azure Hills campus. We welcome over 15 community groups into our facilities for nonprofit services and even for the local Girl Scouts. We also host over 25 memorial services each year at no cost. 
We use our campus resources to reach out to our community and proudly host the City of Grand Terrace's Light Up Grand Terrace holiday event for over 800 neighbors each December. And although the swimming pool and golf course are no longer part of the Azure Hills campus, we still enjoy the tennis courts, which were recently restored for both the congregation and the community to enjoy basketball, pickleball, and roller hockey. Not only that, but over 400 children throughout the Inland Empire love to participate in Adventurer, and Pathfinder Clubs, and Vacation Bible School. Well, there's been a lot of changes over, well, it's been a little over 50 years. About everything's changed. <laughs> we are a place of transformation. From less than 300 members in 1965, to a congregation today of over 2,300, we are a living community that continues to grow it's helped me stay close to the Lord. It's a place I can come and worship the Lord. I wouldn't consider going to any other church still. <laughs> the history of Azure Hills calls us to be a community of faith. We strive to be a voice of hope and inspire all people to experience generous love and grace-filled diversity. We are Azure Hills. Welcome to the church family. fun to see Ruth Knight here for first service and to hear her words here and see those who have been here for so long. We stand on the shoulders of those who have come before us. Though this might be a homestaying instead of a homecoming Sabbath, we celebrate how God has led and how God has worked in the lives of each of you. And if you're at home and probably Ray and others who have been a part of, so much a part of it, we are grateful for all that has been poured out that allows us to be where we are today. For someone told someone who told someone who told someone, and someone told you. Like in my life, Pastor Cindy Chooch poured into me, and I got to experience the grace and love of God through Bible study with her and now stand on her shoulders moving forward. Your mom or your dad or your neighbor, your aunt, your friend, someone was instrumental in your life and we stand on those shoulders as a community and as individuals. I bet those individuals in the beginning, Philip and Nathaniel, the first followers of Jesus, Joanna and Mary and each of these never believed where we'd be today. That someone's children's 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 children, children's children, here we are. God seeing what we can be, fulfilling something in and through this church. I mentioned today Anne Kerpolik, who passed away, and she was quite an avid writer, and so this book that I hold is uh, many of her writings. She wrote a lot. And I want to share a little bit of one with you because I remember her talking about this and what does it really look like to witness, to keep telling our story she, she talked about especially this, if a stick represents 100 years, where would you mark off how old you are, my grandson said to his seven-year-old son. Taking it a step further, Levi said, where on the stick is GGK's age? Well, pretty much the whole stick, my grandson replied. That's what her life was. He was so right. So I reflected on over the thousand miles I've traveled over the past, thousands of miles I've passed over the, the 92 years that I've been alive by short legs, wagons, trains, sleds, streetcars, bicycles, steamship, cars, planes. While chasing technology, it changes faster than I can learn it. Like a tired grasshopper, I try to refocus and hang on. 
My hearing is nearly gone. My eyesight is faded, but I shuffle on, keeping in touch with fellow sojourners as opportunity happens. And the Holy Spirit knows us so well by now. Blessings happen in the blink of an eye. His grace, has grace been happening all these many years and I haven't even noticed? It is enough. Nearing a full stick is enough. She talked about different times with hearing gone, with body aching. What is God's purpose and plan for my life? And yet she continued to still live the love of God. And Datha showed this so well by sharing with me this picture and telling me the story of Sammy and Anne. Sammy got to be a, a, at a Loma Linda Academy, got to be a part of the program where he gets to be with a senior and build a relationship with a senior. And so he went over and visited Anne throughout this whole past time. And so this was one of the last relationships that Anne poured into as they built rapport and shared stories and art. And Anne loved well all the way to the end. This is, this is the thing with this verse with Philip and Nathaniel with this exchange is that he shared from his experience and Anne, her experience with God was real. Her and her husband devoted their whole lives to ministry and service. But even after loss, even after all the pain, she kept going forward. And then she shared, and that's the second point of this passage, with those who were close to her. Philip could have just run to the marketplace and told everybody, like running to Stater Brothers with tracts to give out. And I have done canvassing and led canvassing programs and think everyone should have that experience of meeting strangers and sharing your faith. But we also must share with those who are closest to us. In this story, Philip and Nathaniel, Philip runs to the one that he knows, a friend he grew up with, and he says, we found him. So you might say it's harder to share with friends and family, harder to share with the ones who know us most. But that's who God calls us to bear witness to, to tell our story, to say, come and see, experience what I've experienced. So Anne shared with Sammy, who was one who was close to her, about the experience of joy and love that she had found in Jesus. After we've accepted Jesus, why do we keep living? Some have asked me that question, like, can't God just take me, put me at rest? We get the opportunity to keep testifying to the goodness and love of God, to be the loved children of God who tell others that they are the loved children of God and live in that way as to share the love of God. Some of us might be saying, I want to find God's will for my life. I want to know how I should do this. Maybe God will show me in a dream or in a vision or a revelation or inspiration. In Acts chapter 1, we hear the purpose of the church, and it hasn't changed today. Acts chapter 1, Jesus says these words, and it still is our calling. In verse 7, it says, It's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. We still don't get to know that. We don't get to know when Jesus is going to come. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God says, I want to witness through your life. To witness is to come and see. To say, tell your story. To come and see. To share about what God has given you. It simply means to keep saying that through every stage and every season of your life. One of my other favorite verses in 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 8 about evangelism and sharing the good news is 
in this verse, 1 Thessalonians 2.8, it says, We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. You can't separate the intermingling of the gospel and your life story, my life story. We get to share our lives. People's lives are rarely changed by just information, by one sermon or one book, but they are changed by followers of Jesus who live the truth in their daily lives and say, this is what I'm experiencing. Through all of it, this is what I'm experiencing. In closing, uh, Priscilla Shire shares this story of a pastor who has gone to sleep and who's abruptly woken up by a phone call. As he picks up the phone, they say, the church is on fire. He pulls on his clothes and races over to the church, and there are flames leaping out of the building. Firefighters are already suited up and are there, and he just watches there with sickness. Uh, what's going on? People start pouring out cars, people walking over, neighbors coming by until the whole church parking lot is full of onlookers. Tons of people there. One of his members comes up and stands right next to him and says, I've never seen so many people here. And the pastor, kind of just under his breath in a moment, just, well, the church has never been on fire before. I don't want that kind of fire. Let's be clear. As we're setting intentions and prayers and goals for 2022. But I do believe that God wants to bring passion. God wants to bring fire, renewal. That instead of living as those who are in survival from day after day, we can step forward into a passionate come and see, tell your story, here's my experience approach with those who are close to us and those we don't know, both, that they would experience a light coming from our eyes and from our life. Because I honor today everyone who has invested in this church that made it possible for us to stand where we are today. And I also believe that God is moving us into more beautiful things than we can imagine in the years ahead. For us to be able to be a light inviting people to come and to experience what we are experiencing. Come and see, this is my story. We are loved people, loving others, showing the way to the source of love. Now that's something I want to be a part of.